mouth. If you don't like what you see, say something. If you keep saying what you always said, you're going to always have what you've always had. But if you want to see something different, life and death is in the power of the tongue. A man should be satisfied by the fruit of his lips. You got it? So what you speak, what you decree, what you declare by faith. Jesus said you shall have whatsoever you say. <laughs> now don't be religious about that and just think talking about well I have a you know a good night's sleep and you know maybe I just you know I go to heaven one day yeah that's that's included that's true but he said what whatever you speak he said when you speak to that mountain if you believe and do not doubt in your heart but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass you shall have them whatsoever you say glory to God how many of y'all could use a better 2020 than 2019 was? All right. It's in your mouth. And you know what? God wants you to have a better 2020 than you had in 2019. God's not opposed to that. You don't have to argue with God and manipulate God and twist God's arm. Proverbs 4.18 says the path of the just is supposed to get brighter and brighter to the perfect day. Anybody experiencing perfection yet? All right. So keep decreeing until you experience perfection. It's God's idea, amen? All right, Acts 26, let's get into the word of God today. <clears throat> and um, we're going to look at verses 12 through 19. When you have it, say amen. amen. All right, we're going to read straight through those verses here. Let's read together. Ready to read. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a loud voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Verse 19, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Today I want to talk on the subject, how to have a heavenly vision. How to have a heavenly vision. Let's declare... Uh, something over the word of God. This is another declaration today. Glory to God. Y'all have that back there meeting? You ready? All right, let's go. I will come to visions and revelations of who you are. Pour out your spirit upon me and make known your words unto me. Make me to understand the way of your precepts. So shall I talk of your wondrous works. 
Open up my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your word. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened that I may know what is the hope of your calling. Show me, Father God, great and mighty things that I know not of. In Jesus' name, take your seats today. Hallelujah. How to have a heavenly vision. How to have a heavenly vision. We, we are in the year 2020. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. It's 2020. It's the year of vision manifestation. The year of vision manifestation. The Lord told me in 2018, I was praying one morning early on, it's in January 2018, the Lord said to me that every vision, every, every uh, prophetic word that I have given you and the, my people uh, up until now is for now. And all the words that will come, the prophetic visions that will come, will be for now. You remember over in John chapter 4 when Jesus told the disciples, he said, uh, do not say there are yet four months to the harvest. In other words, the time is coming and now is when, when I speak that what I have said will come to pass, it's time for it to come to pass. One of my favorite scriptures, in the, uh, I shouldn't say scriptures, it's a phrase you see repeated uh, many times throughout the word is, and it shall come to pass. Even more than that is another phrase you see in the Bible, and it came to pass. In other words, any word God speaks, put Isaiah 55 verse 11 on the screen for me, please. Isaiah 55 verse 11. Any word God speaks is going to come to pass. You got it? He says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall do what? Accomplish what I please, and it shall Okay, so God does not have any uh, uh, futile words. God doesn't have any idle words. Whatever God speaks, it's going to come to pass. It's only a matter of time. And so God told me in 2018, uh, he said it's, well, actually this was 2019, he said, it's my time. Not my, Jonathan. God said it's my time. So God is ready in his time to bring his vision, his agenda, his plan, his will to pass. And the good thing about it is we're all part of it. You're here this morning because you're part of God's plan. Y'all know God has a plan. I don't want to go by what Drake said. I'm talking about God. God. I'm talking about God's plan. Not that stupid stuff Drake's talking about. I'm talking about God's plan. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. In the NIV, God says, I know the, th the plans, rather, I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. That's the NIV. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. So God has a plan. Tell your neighbor God has a plan. God has a plan. Now, turn to, uh, uh, put on the screen for us, please. They can do it. Isaiah 46, verse 10. Isaiah 46, verse 10. That's Old Testament. Let's keep trucking. Isaiah 46 and verse 10. says this. This is God speaking, right? Declaring the end from the beginning. So you see how God operates? Declaring. Declaring. God speaking by his authority. So that's how we have to line up, right? 
So God says, declaring the end from the beginning. So notice in the beginning, God doesn't declare the beginning. God declares the end. So when you start walking in your faith and your authority, stop, stop saying what is. You know what is. When God looked out on the world and it was dark, he didn't say it's dark. He knew that. He said light be. He declared the end from the beginning. So he says, declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. So God has been speaking from ancient times things that are not yet done, not yet done, not yet done, which means they are going to be done, right? Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do what? All my pleasure. Now let's go over to the New Testament, please. Help me out. Ephesians chapter 1, thank you, sir. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, please. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. So God says, uh, my counsel will stand. I will do all my pleasure. All my pleasure. You know God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. <laughs> That's part of his pleasure. You know it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Y'all know those scriptures there? Psalm 35, 27, the first one. The second one I just gave you there is Luke 12, 32, right? It's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, right? All right, now look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. Are you there? It says, in him, this is in Jesus Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance. Praise the Lord. You can live pretty well off an inheritance. Now your job may make you struggle, but you can live really well off an inheritance. Being predestined... According to what? The purpose of him who does what? Works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now remember we just read in Isaiah 45, uh, 46, 10 rather, that he, uh, he, he, he has a counsel and a pleasure, a purpose. So then now in Ephesians 1, 11, it tells us that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. Everybody focus on the word? He works all things. Now, we know the scripture talks about in Romans, over in Romans chapter 8, about uh, God works all, uh, he, uh, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord according to his purpose, right? Now, when you read that, don't get all crazy and think that when somebody gets killed in a car accident, God worked that out for you. That's not what he's talking about when you read Romans 8. He's talking about working things in your, your spirit, soul, and body working together for good. Your intercession the Holy Ghost interceding for you. That's what he's talking about. Y'all got it? So you losing your job wasn't necessarily God's idea. Your house burning down and your cousin's house burning down. Oh, God's doing something. No, that's not what he's talking about here. Okay? The devil's doing something. We know that for sure. All right. So here it says he works all things according to the counsel of his will. So God has predetermined our times, predetermined our boundaries. He knows where, where we should be living. He knows all the things. He, he set you up in this church. Yes. He worked that out according to this counsel of his will. Yes. Tell your neighbor, that's why you're here. That's why you're God here. wanted you here. Wanted it's, his will. it's his will. He worked it out. You plan, don't, don't you have to tell him this. <laughs> Y'all going to keep repeating. You plan on being in some other church this morning. And God worked it out. 
for you to be here to hear this word. You will plan on living in Orlando by now. You were supposed to, you know, I, no, I, I'm going to hit you. You were supposed to be in Atlanta by now. I was supposed to be in Mecca. Black Mecca, Atlanta. That's where everybody, everybody's successful, right? The devil is a lie. But God, he planned and worked things out according to the counsel of his will. You got it? All right, now, let's keep going here. Now, give me Ephesians 1.11, please, in the Passion Translation. <clears throat> in the Passion Translation. Watch this. It says, through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Boy, that's shouting word right there. Whew. Before, watch this. Shree, watch this. Before you were even born, He gave you a destiny. You are not here by accident. You didn't sneak into the earth. You didn't cheat death. God stayed death. Before you were born, you had a destiny, which meant that God divinely arranged for my mother, who was way back in Georgia somewhere, and my daddy, who was way back in Alabama somewhere, to somehow meet in Florida somewhere. He looked at her. And she looked at him. And it was on. Right? He arranged for them to end up both getting saved, baptizing the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, become pastors, and teach all their children in the ways of the Lord. That's why I'm here today. And, and I might not necessarily have chosen the family that God put me in. Because every family has some fruits and flakes and nuts in them. I'll come on this side. Every family. Now, I love my immediate family. I got a wonderful immediate family. But you go outside the immediate family and there's some, it's, it's, a, it's the cereal aisle. It's fruits and flakes and, and nuts and tigers and bears and horseshoes and all that kind of stuff. Crazy, crazy stuff. Right? But God planted me because he had a destiny for my life. So for you, God had a destiny for your life, so it didn't matter whether your mom or your dad uh, stayed together as long as they got together. Bob. Bob, you got it? Never met my dad. Okay, that doesn't matter. That's, I'm sorry to hear about that, but God, you know, when my mother and father say to the Lord, takes me up. Praise God. Bop. Okay, praise God. I was abandoned by my parents. Okay, that's all right. When Bop. All God needed was a bop. <laughs> because he had a destiny and a plan for your life, and he worked all things 
comes according to the counsel of his will. Watch what it says. It says that we would fulfill, that we would fulfill. So our destiny was given to us that we would fulfill. Did you catch that? Not just he. It said that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. Always. So tell your neighbor, God has a plan. That's why you're here. All right, now, so God has a plan for my life. So I'm not here by accident. I'm not, I'm not here, you know, uh, sneaking in. I'm here on purpose. God planned me. He set up my life. He set up everything about your life. So if that's the case, then, if God set my destiny, if God gave my purpose, then true success and uh, fulfillment in life only comes, I want to say this the way I, I got it, only comes when I discover and execute God's will. The greatest fulfillment in life will only come when we discover and execute God's will. You understand that? If an inventor invents something, Michelle, uh, you know, you could, you could use uh, a rowing machine. Y'all know a rowing machine or any kind of exercise equipment. It wasn't designed to hold your clothes. But people use it that way. And I want you to, if, if I can, just animate that machine for a minute. And that machine is saying, that's not what I'm for. I was designed with a purpose. I was designed to, to, to enrich your life. I was designed to be a blessing to you. Not to hold your stinking clothes. So the greatest fulfillment in your life will only come when you discover and execute God's will. Which means everything else you do in life is really a waste of time. Oh, y'all. Hang on now. Pull your shoes up now. Anything else you do in life then will be a waste. Because God gives you a time in the earth. He supplies you with resources in the earth to accomplish his will. And he knows that when you do that, you're going to have your greatest fulfillment in your life. That's when you're really going to be satisfied and happy and full of joy and full of peace. Well, somebody's thinking, well, I'll be, just be bored serving God. You're, if you think that, you ain't serving God. Because you cannot be bored serving God. You cannot be bored when God gives you an assignment and you carry that assignment out. <laughs> Everything God gives you is exciting. You know, he'll, he'll let you enjoy life. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling you God won't say take a vacation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about but even on vacation, you still are purposeful in, your, in everything you do, you're doing. You're mindful of everything that God has given you to do. And, and, and when you really get hooked up with that, it's kind of hard to vacate in your brain. You can vacate from jo your job, but in your brain, your mind is still thinking about, man, I'm, I'm excited about what God called me to do. And my, my intent today and in, in the coming week is to help us make sure that we can get a hold of uh, discovering God's will. Yes, sir. Thank you, 
Would you, would you believe, Joya, that most Christians have no clue what God's will is for their lives? Spend their whole lives never even trying to find out what's God's will? All they do is, well, I go to church. I went to church. Well, wonderful. Wonderful. You know the devil comes to church, too. I don't know which row he's sitting on, but I'm just... You know the devil goes to church. <laughs> Some of y'all say he go home with me too. I don't know. <laughs> go to Psalm 33, please. Psalm 33, verse 10 and 11. Psalm 33, 10 and 11. Because anything outside of God's will or plan will eventually lead, listen to this, to frustration, disappointment, destruction, or death. Anything outside of God's will or plan will eventually lead to frustration, disappointment, destruction, or death. Psalm 33, verse 10 and 11. I want us to read that together if we can do that this morning. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach here in a minute. I'm, I'm preaching now. Wonderful. Verse 10 and 11, please. Let's read it. Ready, go. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. So, plans of the peoples, he makes of no effect. He won't stop the plans. He'll make them of no effect. So, he'll let you do what you plan. He'll let you do whatever you want to do because you're big and bad enough to do it. He gave you free will. But he'll make it where it has no, and that, that word effect is profit. It won't prosper you. It won't benefit you. So you're thinking, well, here I got my plan. I'm going to go work over here. I'm going to go do this over here. I'm going to travel here, and I'm going to go move this city. I'm going to go to this church, whatever. All, that, all your plans. This is all, this all, you have free will. You can do whatever. It's a free country, too. Isn't that great? You got free will and you're in a free, free country. But problem is, all that time you invest in your plan, when you look back on it at the end of your life, one of the most depressing places you will ever spend time in is a nursing home. I, I've, I've spent a lot of time in a nursing home. I was visiting uh, Besides my mentor, but other people I about to visit from time to time in a nursing home. And what you see in a nursing home is a lot of regret. People at the end of their lives. This, this is right, right, Adrian? People at the end of their lives who look back in regret over coulda, woulda, shoulda. If I could only do it all over again. Or if I had known then what I know now. Some of y'all like that right now, aren't you? I ain't going to lie, at 48 years old, I look back and I say, but if I could talk to my 15-year-old self all over again. Hey, 15-year-old Jonathan, let me tell you something, bro. Don't go chasing waterfalls, brother. <laughs> I, I tell my 18-year-old my self, sock away $25 every, out of every paycheck. Just don't go spend everything you got just because you got it because you're big and bad with a job now. I got a job now. 
Come on, how many of y'all would go back and talk to your 13 year old, 18 year old self and tell you some, hey. That's why some of y'all young folk ought to listen to us, some of us older folk. We're telling you from this side. How many of y'all would have told, told your younger self, get saved sooner? Yeah. Don't wait till you're 35 and now you got a raggedy testimony and I got to come and try to get see the Lord. <laughs> Been through hell and high water. So he makes the plans of the people of no effect. So what you, you do not want to live your life and end your life having had an ineffective plan. Look at verse 11, please. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. So he'll, he'll thwart the plans that you have. Make sure that they're not effective because, see, he designed you with a destiny and a purpose. He knows you. Psalm, Psalm 139 uh, verse 14 or so talks about we're fearfully and wonderfully made. What verse is that? Is it verse 13, 14? Yeah, Psalm 139. What they, they put up there for me? Verse 14. I just know Tamara knows it. That's why I'm looking at her. Oh, you like 13? Put 13 on the screen for Tamara, please. This is a Tamara moment. For you formed my inward parts and you covered me in my mother's womb. That's beautiful. That was just for Tamara. <laughs> so he knows, verse 14, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and we're made according to his purpose. We're designed according to his purpose. In other words, he gave us form and function. Oh, Jesus, I could go some places on that. Go, please. All the places we can go. Y'all can't handle this all the time. Can you handle it? That's why a man is formed one way and a woman is formed another way. For form and there's a function. He didn't form a man to function with a man. Nor a woman to function with a woman. You weren't formed like that. Try to put together any puzzle. Any puzzle will tell you that. You can't have two, two puzzle pieces with openings and put them together. It's never going to work. Got it? I told you y'all couldn't handle it. Y'all just, y'all blushing. Y'all are all blushing. I just put it, I, I put it in a physical form so you understand even how he formed you through your experiences, through your education, through all the things that he's taught you, it is for a function, a destiny he has for your life. So then to go and use all that for your uh, personal agenda, your personal plans is a violation and it is, it is a misuse. In fact, it is a, an abuse. It is an abnormal use of what God gave you. He made you and designed you for a reason. It's according to his plan, his purpose, his agenda, your destiny. And it's good. It's good. So I got to know it. I got to know it. Now, so 
If I don't follow his plan, then I end up with a waste of time and wasted life. If I do things according to my plan, it's wasted time and wasted life. And Dwight, I don't have any more time to waste. I know I'm still a very, very young man at 48, but even at 48, I don't have time to waste. I can't, I can't waste my, you know, I can't waste my 50s. I mean, everybody remember those, those years, right? You remember your teens? Yes. Anybody waste time in your teens? Yes. Anybody waste, waste your 20s? Yes. Anybody feel like you want to waste in your 30s too? Yes. Your 40s? Yes. <laughs> now, I didn't, I didn't waste all of it, but there's... Because I wasn't clear on the vision all, all the way, I still had uh, more wasted time than I care to talk about. And if you're like me, you, you're thinking, man, it's 2020. I can't waste this, net, this decade right here. I'm not going to waste it in the wrong place. I'm not going to waste it with the wrong people. I'm not going to waste it doing the wrong thing. I, don't, I just don't have time to waste. Either you're going to get with me and I'm going to be with you on God's plan, or you can't be my prayer partner. <laughs> While I'm praying, you playing. We, ain't, we can't be no partners like that. <laughs> Listen to this. To live without a heavenly vision. What y'all got? What, what kind of candy y'all got? Okay, I may, may have one of them for later. Deuteronomy 28. Put Deuteronomy 28 and 29 on the screen, please. This is important. Listen to this. I'm going to say it again. Let's get back serious. <laughs> to live without a heavenly vision is like living under the curse. To live without a heavenly vision is like living under the curse. Oh, this is big. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 28 and uh, 29, it says, this, this is the list of the things in the curse here. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. Now, madness is crazy. Y'all know any people that's mad? This is not madness. I'm angry. This is madness like... <laughs> madness... Blindness, confusion of heart, or other translations will say confusion of mind. So I want you to see three things, Miss Gloria, that go hand in hand. 
madness, blindness, and confusion. Now, don't, don't point at them, but do you know anybody like that? <laughs> I told y'all don't point at them. Madness, crazy. This is crazy as the best bug. Y'all heard him? Blindness. I want you to see that blindness. Now, he's talking here literally physical blindness, but I want, I'm dealing with spiritual blindness here. Can't see. You can't, you can't really see what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be going, how you keep uh, in the natural, in, in, in your life, bumping your head. Y'all know what I mean? Bumping your head, you're like, man. Just seemed like I'd take one step forward and then two steps back. One step forward and two steps back. It, it may not be uh, your, your haters. We like to say it's our haters. It may not be your haters. It may be the fact that you've not taken time to get your vision corrected. Madness, blindness, and confusion of heart. Now watch verse 29, please. 29. And you shall grope because of the blindness at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. He didn't say not prosper your finances. He says your ways. So this is beyond just your finances. Your marriage won't work out. Your finances won't work out. The new job won't work out. New contract won't work out. Won't work out. The raising the kids doesn't work out. Nothing works out. He says you shall only be oppressed, be only oppressed, and plunder continually, and no one shall save you. You know why no one shall save you? They can't save you. Because it ain't, it ain't, it ain't, no matter how many times they save you, you're still mad. Blind and confused. Yes, Crazy, blind and confused. Yes, you got it? So we don't want to be like that. So again, I'll say what I said here a moment ago. To live without a heavenly vision is like living under the curse. So everybody say, I need a heavenly vision. Vision gives me a picture and a preview of God's plan for my life. A heavenly vision, we could say it that way. We want to say it that way. Gives me a picture and a preview of God's plan for my life. Put a pin in that. I got to say something. Uh, we've noticed quite a bit since we hit 2020, churches even, major ministers even, uh, advocating all these vision boards. Now, if you all remember a couple years ago, I talked to you about that. Vision boards are not from God. Vision boards are, it's new age. It's new age religion. It's, it's, it's man's uh, circumventing God. Well, I got a vision board, Pastor, is what I want to see. Okay, I'm not talking about you writing down what God said. Most folk, when they do vision boards, they're writing down their own desire. Their own dream. And God does not endorse yours. He's not obligated to yours. He only obligates himself to his. That's why Habakkuk said in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1, he said, I will stand on my watch. He said, I will watch to see what he will say to me. And then God said, write the vision and make it plain. So the vision you write must be the vision that God speaks to you. 
And if you go around with your little vision board of things you came up with, God cannot endorse that. You have teetered into New Age religion. Y'all quiet, it's all right. I know y'all don't like that because you, you hear even prominent people in Christendom advocating about vision boards. But you better, you better be careful about that. I will stand and I will see what he will say to me. That's what I'm going to deal with. Y'all got quiet. Vision gives me a picture and preview of God's plan for my life. Of God's plan. A heavenly vision stamps God's will on my spirit. That's big. A vision from God stamps God's will on my spirit. Stamps it. Stamp, when you stamp, you leave an impression. It stamps it on my spirit. Now, how many of you know that God can speak to you in just words? You can hear things. But we know this just from, uh, I got a lot of educators in the house today for those county schools and all that kind of different things here. And you know just from your training that when you hear something, you generally retain only 10% of what you hear. But when you see it, it increases to 50%. Your, your retention will, will go up to 50% when you see it. That's just how you're programmed. God is the one that programmed you. So he knows that. So that's why beyond just telling you something, he wants to show you something. Because now what, think about it. How many times, how many prophecies have you heard? You've been in this church, you've heard prophecies. We've heard dozens and hundreds of prophecies in this church. Y'all remember them? No, I don't either. That's why you go back, gotta go back and read them. Because I, I don't remember them. But a vision? You don't forget a vision because God just he, just, he just impressed that upon my heart. I saw something. And when you have a heavenly vision, you can't shake that. When God shows you something, nobody can pull you off of it. You don't forget a vision. And God knows that. So he has to stamp that, his will, his plan on our hearts. And he does it through a heavenly vision. Y'all got it? Yes, sir. Now, <laughs> I'm helping people. Yeah, I know it. The amens are, are, are rare, but I got it. <laughs> I must, thank you, Lord. This goes to what I was just talking about with the vision board. I must discern between natural dreams and heavenly vision. I must discern, make a distinction. Between natural dreams and heavenly visions. You know, you can have natural dreams. You can have natural just desires. You can have natural dreams. I mean, how many of y'all went to bed last night? All right? You dreamt? I don't remember. You did. Maybe two or three times. But that dream you had last night, Stephen, was not necessarily a vision from God. A heavenly vision. Some of the stuff I dreamt, thank God that wasn't a heavenly vision. 
Any of y'all have dreamt any crazy stuff? So I got to be able to discern, make a difference between natural dreams and heavenly visions. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 3, it says something to us here. Ecclesiastes 5 3 says this, for a dream comes through much activity. And a fool's voice is known by his many words. So your dreams, natural dreams, come through all your activity. What you've been thinking about, what you've been doing today, what you're worried about, what you care about, what you've been talking about. What you're frustrated about. You'll dream it out. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, you know I mean, you've, that's happened to you. You dream. How many, how many of y'all dreamt that one day you showed up to school with nothing but your underwear? See, y'all ain't gonna say nothing, but most of y'all have. You like. <laughs> Why? It's all kind of fears and inhibitions, all kind of things. You, you have these things. How many of y'all have dreamt about falling? Oh, now y'all with me. Okay, you, you're falling. Well, you think God is trying to show you a vision that one day you're gonna fall into the, into the bottomless pit? No, it's something that there's a care, there's a concern, there's something you've been toiling over. It's much activity, whatever you've been active in. You go to bed watching, shoot them up, bang them up, pow, pow, pow. Come on, you wake up. Let's be cops, you know what I'm saying? You dreaming you want a Charlie's Angels over there. Right? Because it's much business. Much activity. But a vision from God is not like that. Now watch this. Heavenly vision comes from God, has prophetic implications, and gives me direction, protection, and discretion. This is good here. Heavenly vision comes from God it has prophetic implications to it. Prophetic implications. In other words, when God shows you something in a heavenly vision, and this, you don't have to be asleep for this. You know, a, 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 a dream DJ, you got to be slept. But a vision, you can be wide awake. And he'll show you things in a moment of time. We were praying here a couple weeks ago, one Wednesday morning, and we were praying, and, and uh, we're wide awake, of course. We're, we're walking around praying, and I saw a vision of the glory cloud of God filling this church in a different building. I saw it, eyes wide open. I mean, it's just as real to me as you looking at you sitting here today. So a vision from God uh, comes from God, has prophetic implications. It's God showing us something that is to come. Some or even something that is happening. I mean, the word of knowledge can work through a vision. He can let you know what's going on. I remember one time I was counseling a couple. They were talking about getting married. And uh, the Lord showed me a vision of something. I told that girl, don't marry that dude. I saw something just plain as day. Oh, don't marry that. <laughs> See? It has prophetic implications. Gives me direction. Everybody say direction. direction. 
In other words, showing you how to go, how to move. Protection. He'll protect you from some things. Don't go down that street tomorrow. They're planning on getting you down there. Cancel that trip you're about to take. And discretion. Discretion meaning the ability to discern between some things here. The ability to make wise choices because now you've seen something. Give me a Psalm 32 verse 8, please. Psalm 32 verse 8. Y'all hanging on? I only got a few more minutes. Man. I will instruct you. This is what God says. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my vision. You see it? I will guide you with my eye. I'm going to give you a vision. The Bible says the spirit of man is a candle of the Lord. Your spirit is a candle of the Lord. Searching the innermost parts of the belly. So he, he, he speaks to your spirit, Lawanda. And he, he shows you something about your future and about a choice and about something you might be thinking about, you know, a business deal you might be looking at. And he'll say, you know, that's not the one. Just wait. But that's a big deal. That's just not the one. How many of y'all would have loved to have avoided some bad business deals you've made in your life? Okay, y'all, bad relationship deals you made in your life. Bought a lemon, a lemon car. Bought a lemon car. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, I know it. He said, something told me not to buy that. It wasn't something. It was someone. Got it? So he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye, with my vision. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He'll help you avoid traps. He'll help you find surprise goodies. Hallelujah. You didn't know that God had something wonderful waiting on you over here. Your mind was set on going this way. He said, no, go this way. And then, oh, look at that. Right? <laughs> Heavenly vision allows me to see God's agenda and God's plans on the inside so they can manifest on the outside. You got it? Heavenly vision allows me to see God's agenda and God's plans on the inside so they can manifest on the outside. So I don't want to go around blindly, Deacon Robert. I need my sight. Everybody say, I need my sight. I need my sight. In other words, I, I, need, I need my vision. I need to have heavenly vision. That's one of the things I told you uh, uh, Tuesday night when we were here for our New Year's Eve service at Luke 4.18. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me too. He lists some things. And one thing in that list, he says, to a recovery of sight to the blind. So he knows it's possible for you and me to have lost our vision, to have lost sight. He says, but I'll cause you to recover your sight. Because I need you to be able to see so you're not groping in darkness like a blind man. I don't need my people groping in darkness like the world gropes in darkness. That's what the Bible says. The world gropes in darkness. The world is bumping their heads. They, the world is think, think, thinking that they have it going on, but they're bumping their heads. Because remember, he's going to make their plans of no effect. He says, I don't, want, I don't want my people bumbling around through life. I need you to be sharpshooters. I mean, you got these military guys in here. They're sharpshooters. Ain't that right, Glenn? 50 yards, huh? 100 yards? 150 yards? 
500 yards? For you or for him? Marine Corps, you ought, to, you ought to be able to shoot a target from 500 yards. Now, but a sniper, 1,000 yards. 500 yards, that's five football fields. And if you get heavenly vision, see, you can be either a shotgun person, you know them, them shotguns, pow, you just, you just, you just, you just hoping to get in the area. <laughs> but when you are a sharpshooter, that rifle, I, this movie I watched one time, uh, y'all forgive me, called American Sniper. Oh, man. Have you seen that? <laughs> Made you want to re-up, didn't it? <laughs> I'm going to go back to the military. Man, I met this guy from, I mean, cross town. That's the kind of pinpoint, punk, pinpoint accuracy God wants you and me to have. Not fumbling around anymore. Again, Tam, I'm 48. I don't have time to fumble around. <laughs> Praise God. So what I need? I need heavenly vision. Now go to Acts 26 real quick. Acts 26. Let's wind this down. Or, or wind it up. I'm not sure which one we're doing. Acts 26. Here we have Apostle Paul. He is standing before a king named Agrippa, King Agrippa. And he's defending his life and his ministry. You know, the Jews are trying to kill him. They hate him. They want, him, they want to crucify him like they crucified Jesus. And he's defending himself and his ministry. And he now recounts his testimony. Your testimony is so critical. To know your testimony, to know where God has brought you from, to know what God has done in your life is critical. To even recount it from time to time. Right? So here in uh, the 26th chapter of, of Acts, at, starting at verse 9, Paul says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So how many of y'all know, know the story about Saul? Saul wasn't on God's side. He was an enemy of God, an enemy of Christ, okay? He said, I was doing things contrary to the name of, name of Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 10, this I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Oh, man. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. I made them. Blaspheme. I made him curse Jesus. You better renounce Jesus or I'm going to kill you. That's basically what he was doing, right? And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. I tracked them down. You couldn't get away from me. Paul was zealous as an enemy of the cross. I want you to see this guy. This is the guy who was, who was you know, Halfway in, halfway out. This guy was completely on the out and thought he was doing God's work. Because here was this new way, they called it the way, Jesus and his people, and Paul is a zealot for the law. He's religious. 
And religion hates what Christ brings along. Religion, religion hates the kingdom. And so Paul's fighting against all that. I mean, zealously. I mean, you walk into church, I don't care about your security team. Bust the first usher in the mouth. Well, only thing he got to do is hope that Oscar don't shake his hand. Because if Oscar shake his hand, it's over. Now watch. Now watch this. Watch this. While thus occupied, verse 12, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, I was going to go do some more. At midday, O king, this is King Agrippa, Along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. In other words, they all saw the same light. And when we had all fallen to the ground, this is some kind of light here to knock everybody off their, off their horses, their beasts here. He said, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the golds or against the pricks, against the thorns. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, don't forget that question there. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have, prepared, I have appeared to you. I have appeared to you. I have appeared to you. Remember, there was a voice. But he said, I have appeared to you. Now, those of you who know the story know that, that when that light shone on, uh, on Saul, he went blind. Naturally. He couldn't see naturally. But he saw something in the spiritual realm. How do I know? Jesus said, I have appeared to you. So although he's sitting there blind naturally, He's seeing something else in a different realm. All right, got it? He said, I've appeared to you for this purpose, for this purpose, for this purpose. So he's giving him a purpose here. To make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from what? That's interesting. To open their eyes. Now, why does this happen? He's blind. But he's, he's being opened spiritually. And he's going to go now and open other people's eyes spiritually. God, the same way God got him is the way he's going to use him to go get other people. Isn't it interesting that whatever God delivers you from many times, he'll use you in that same way? Glory to God. He said, open eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to, to God. That'll preach right there by itself to other yeah. baker. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me, faith in Jesus. Verse 19. Therefore, watch this. King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. 
So he says this was a vision. This was a heavenly vision. And he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So a vision, obviously, here gave him some direction. When you get a vision from God, he's giving you some direction. He's giving you a purpose. He's giving you an assignment. It might, it might be for the rest of your life or it might be for the next five years of your life. Sometimes God doesn't show you everything. Good thing. <laughs> praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. 21 years ago when the Lord gave me the vision for this church, I saw all of y'all. I didn't, I didn't know your faces, but I saw all of you. I saw way more than all of you. I saw thousands of people. But the vision is yet for an appointed time. So along the way, he's given me smaller visions to build up to it. Oh, y'all better, somebody better get a hold of that. Because you can easily get frustrated like I have been because you don't see the big vision yet. But the bigger the vision, the, the farther off the appointed time is. So he has to give you smaller visions of something you can handle, something you can, you can okay, all right. Release your faith for that. Okay? So God didn't show Paul, the Lord didn't show Paul everything right there in Acts 26. He didn't show everything, but he gave him the overall vision, what he's going to be doing. You got it? All right, now, let's go back here. I want you to look at your Bibles in Acts 9. Go to Acts 9. Thank you, Jesus. Now remember, Paul was the enemy of Christ. But one day he saw this vision here. And if you know about Paul, Ebony, his life was radically changed. See, you can't have a vision from God and your life does not get radically changed. Thank you, Michelle. You, you, you helping me. Thank you, Michelle. Because ain't nobody else saying that. You... You cannot see God. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Down there a few verses later, he said, he said, woe is me. Now he's already, the first five chapters of Isaiah, he's already a prophet. He's already a prophet for the first five chapters, but chapter six, he says, hey, wait, let me tell you something. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he ended up saying, woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. He realized, wait a minute, I've encountered God. His life radically changed. See, as long as Uzziah was alive, he aspired, he looked up to, to, to Uzziah. Uzziah. Look at Uzziah. But when Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord. I, I, I hope you can handle this, but may your Uzziahs die this year. May all the Uzziahs that are blocking your vision die off this year so you can finally see past Uzziah and see the Lord. May whatever it is that's been blocking your vision be removed from your life this year. Yes, 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 yes. Some of you, your job might be your Uzziah. Yes. Minister, this 
You've been depending on Uzziah. I'm going to hide. I'm going to hide under. You've been depending on, on the government check. May your government check get cut off this year. So you can finally see the Lord. High lifted up. Oh, oh, he is the Lord. So you finally get a revelation of who God is. You thought you've known God, but you ain't known God like you're going to know God once Uzziah dies. Boy, I'm preaching better than y'all letting on right now, boy. You will never know God in his reality as long as you keep looking up to Uzziah. Are you in Acts 9? Pastor, did you just say that? Yes, I said, may your Uzziah die this year. May God move your Uzziah, clean out your life. All right, Acts 9. Because in my, in my few minutes that I've left, I want to try to give you two keys to receiving a heavenly vision. I hope I've proven in the first 58 minutes that you need a heavenly vision. <laughs> now, part of that time was y'all fault. I hope I've proven that you need a, need a, a heavenly vision. All right. Acts 9. Remember what we just read? Remember Paul's testimony in Acts 26? Right? Now, Acts 9, he's, he's, this is where it happened, Trinity. This is where it happened. Right here. This is a point of reference right here. So Acts 9, verse 3, I'll start there. As he, Paul, Saul, journeyed, to, journeyed he came near Damascus, and suddenly what happened? A light, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, remember that? Yes, sir. And heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Remember that? Yes, sir. Now watch. I want you to make sure you get, get this in your spirit. The two keys to receiving a heavenly vision. And it's two questions that you must ask now and you must always ask God for the rest of your life. The first question is this. Who are you, Lord? That's the first key to getting a heavenly vision. Who are you, Lord? <laughs> I know who God is. No, no, you don't. Isaiah thought he knew too until Isaiah died. Just being in church doesn't mean you know the Lord. Uh, if you're not a guest with us today, if you're, if you're a member of this church, you know me. But you don't know me like she knows me. And you will never know me like she knows me. Because I can't be known by y'all like she knows me. Or they know me. The reason is because you and I meet on Sundays. And we meet on Wednesdays if you show up. 
but every day. Every day, all day. We work together, play together, pray together, sing together, talk together, eat together, do everything together. So they know me in a way you all don't have the ability to know me. So when Paul, Paul's first question is, it must be our question is, who are you, Lord? This is getting a revelation through relationship. Getting a revelation through relationship. Great that you're born again. Great. Great. That's like you got married. But what would it be like if you got married and once you left the aisle, left the altar, you didn't hardly talk anymore? Y'all don't say nothing. What happens if you leave, once you leave the altar, you smooching, and then after the honeymoon, and then you go back home to regular life, and now you don't talk. It's not going to work. You'll never know that person. It'll be a stranger in your bed. Saul. That's the ministry meeting we're going to have her? Ne the next marriage conference, stranger in your bed. Get the stranger out your house. Get the stranger out your bed. <laughs> That's good. Get the stranger out your bed. All right. Who are you? All right, let me keep going here. Come on. I'm out of time. Oh. Can I have a few minutes? Okay, let's, let me go through this quick here. So who are you, Lord? Saul, Saul knew about Jesus, but he was opposed to him. Once he got to know Jesus, he was sold out for him. When you get to know Jesus... You will become sold out for him. And if you're not sold out for him yet in every way, it's only because you don't know him yet. That may be hard pill to swallow for most Christians, but most Christians don't really know Jesus. They know of him. They know about him. They've in fact made him their savior, but they've not made him their Lord. And they definitely don't spend time getting to know him. But I'm trusting this morning that you are not in that crowd. That you are people who say, I want to know him. Put up Philippians 3, verse 7 through 11 on the screen, please. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. Let's get, read that real quick. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're going to finish this thing out here. It says, but what things were gained to me, what things were gained to me, what things I, I, where, where I thought I had it going on in my life, all the things I was doing to, to appease my own flesh, to appease my own nature, to appease my own soul, those things I thought I, that I had to have to really enjoy life. He said, I, these I have counted lost for Christ. Verse 8, verse 8, please. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence, the highness of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. In other words, I really wanted to know Christ. So I, so I got off Facebook long enough to know Jesus. I shut down Instagram long enough to know Jesus. 
that most Christians, many Christians, are spending more time on the Facebook, on the Instagram, on the Twitter, on the whatever, 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 on YouTube, watching silly videos than getting to know Jesus. And then wonder why they have no direction, no discretion, no protection. It's because you don't, you don't have any vision from God. And you can't get vision until you spend time getting to know him. The excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Folk abandon me because I know Jesus. Folk abandon me. They, 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 they didn't invite me to their little parties anymore because I want to know Jesus. I, I, I gave up happy hour. I gave up, I gave up going to the little club. I gave up going to the little, to the little, to the little bar. I gave up going to the little joke. I gave up going to the little social hour because I wanted to know him. He said, but watch this. I count them as rubbish. King James used the word dung, D-U-N-G. D-U-N-G in our, in the ghetto is doo-doo. It's do do in the ghetto. I'm just telling you what it is. Why? That I might gain Christ. Keep going. Verse 9. Verse 9. And be found in him. Not having my own way of being right, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10. And that I might know him. That's why I gave up all the friends. That's why I gave up all the followers. That's why I gave up all that stuff. That I might know him. I don't care about that. I need him. When I with my friends, I kept bumping my head. But if I get to know him, he's going to lead me and guide me and direct me and protect me. So whatever, whoever, wherever I got to give up, I'm going to give up just so I can have him. Somebody say whatever, whoever, wherever, whenever, so I can have him, so I can know him, it's worth it all. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, verse, verse 11 please, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. So I must get to know him. Mark 3.14, Mark 3.14. How many of y'all preachers in here? How many of y'all in here are preachers? Your apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, fivefold ministry. Raise your hands, I can see who you are. Deacons, ushers, greeters, missionaries, evangelists, saints and friends, choir members, youth workers, you do something. Now watch Jesus' mode of operation. In Mark 3:14, then he appointed 12. That's those disciples, those apostles. They were, he had thousands of disciples. Y'all back over here with me? He had thousands, tens of thousands of disciples. But it says, then he appointed 12 that he might send them out to preach. Huh? Oh, that they might be with him. Oh, y'all missed that. Before he sent them out to preach, Chris, he said that they might be with him. And too many people in the body of Christ are going out to preach. And have not been with him. Ushering and have not been with him. Greeters and have not been with him. Singing in the choir and have not been with him. Going to missionary fields and have not been with him. 
And that's not the mold of Jesus. He appointed them first, Shantae, to be with him. I can't send you out till you've been with me. You, you read Acts chapter 4. Peter and John, they were there to heal this man that was lame at the gate. And the people were persecuting them, trying to imprison them. They were coming against them. And the Bible says that they really couldn't do anything with them because the Bible says they realized that these men had been with Jesus. The Bible says they were unlearned, uneducated. King James used the word ignorant men. Otherwise, they weren't the smartest guys on the block. But they had been with Jesus. You don't have to be the smartest one in your class. You ain't got to be the smartest one in your family. You ain't got to be the smartest one on your row. But if you have been with Jesus, you are now able to be used by God. And God can give you a heavenly vision and show you things that you do not know. And the problem with most of the body of Christ is that people have not spent time to be with him. You can't get to know him without being with him. When I am with him, I discover things about him. And the more we discover about God, the more we are prepared to represent him and present him to others. Did you catch what I said? The more time I spend with God, the better prepared I am to represent him. Now, you represent him everywhere you go. My lifestyle represents God. That means no matter where I go, I got to make sure everything I'm doing, everything I'm saying represents God properly. Now, if you've not spent time with God, you, you do all kind of things without even thinking about it. Well, this is, I'm doing what I feel. This is what I feel. This is what I feel. This is my life. Living, living my best life. You're living your best life, but you're not showing God's life. And it will not prosper. It'll come to no effect. And so I've got to spend time with him. So not only can I represent him properly, but I can also present him properly. Because you have a lot of people in the body of Christ, glory to God, who they represent him. They holy, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, got the t-shirt, they ain't smoking, they ain't cussing. They ain't drinking, they ain't sipping, they ain't tipping around, they ain't sinning, but they don't know he's a healer. They don't know he's a provider. They've not had that revelation yet. Ha! And you only get that from spending time with him. He is a healer. He is a provider. He is a way maker. He is a protector. He is a, a redeemer. He is a deliverer. He is a friend when all your friends have turned their back. He is a father to the fatherless. He is food when you're hungry. He is water when you're thirsty. He is for you. But you only get that by spending time with him. God revealed himself to Abraham. I am the almighty God. El Shaddai. God revealed himself to Moses. I am Jehovah, your redeemer. He revealed himself to the children of Israel. He revealed himself to David. He revealed himself to these people in different ways because they spent time with him. So Saul asked, who are you, Lord? So every day you got to ask, who are you, Lord? 
show me who you are. Lord, show me who you are. Show me something else about yourself that I don't know. Show me more and more every day, Lord, who you are, what you're all about. I want to learn about your nature. Don't get up all the time telling God everything you want to do. Get up sometime asking God, God, show me what you want. Tell me about you. Tell me, tell me what's going on in the kingdom. Tell me how things are going for you today, God. I want to know, God, how are you feeling this morning? Oh, he, not, he don't have feelings? Oh, yes. He's touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He has feelings. He's grieved. He rejoices. But I learned that by spending time with him. Y'all got it? All right. So, who are you, Lord? That's a simple key, ain't it? Number two. How many keys I told you I'm giving you? So that means this is the last one. Now don't start packing up your purse yet. Just <laughs> Number two in Acts 9. Put verse 5 and 6 back on the screen, please. Acts 9, 5 and 6. Woo-wee. Y'all are getting some steak and lobster today. And he said, who are you, Lord? That's the question. And the Lord said, I am. So he'll tell you who he is. I'm the Lord, Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goals. Verse 6. So he, saw, trembling and astonished, said, after he learned who he was, Patrick, then he said, Lord, this is, this is it. This is the masterpiece question right here. What do you want me to do? This is a master key to success. Lord, because you know most of us, Pauline, ask, Lord, or don't ask. We tell the Lord what we want him to do for us. You don't have to shake your head, but I know this is right. Most of us get up all in the morning, first thing in the morning, Lord, bless me today. Lord, take care of me today. Lord, do my, you know, do my laundry for me today. Lord, take care of all these different things we, we ask the Lord to do for us. But this question Saul asks is the critical question that we must ask from the onset and every day for the rest of our lives. Lord, what do you want me to do? Other words, the Lord had revealed himself to, to Saul. So he got a revelation. We could really say now he's saved. Right? Okay, I got a revelation of Jesus. See, when you get saved, you got a revelation of Jesus. He's saved. And that's where most of the body of Christ stops at least. I'm saved by his power divine. And that's it. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. And never bother to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because he's not just my savior, but he's my Lord. Lord means that something he's going to tell me to do. Luke 6, 46, it says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not, don't do the things I say? So Lord is going to do, tell you to do something for him. Got it? Give me Acts 26, verse 16. We read this before. I want you to see this. Because he asked, Lord, what do you want me to do? But rise, stand on your feet, 
For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. So all of a sudden now Saul has purpose and assignment. All of a sudden, his life has meaning. And the mass majority of people on the planet live life without meaning. They're just existing. Really, truth be told for them, what's the big deal about 2020? It's just another set of weeks, another set of months. There's no, you know, there won't be much difference between 19 and 20 and 21 and 25. What's the difference between last month and this month? You turn 46. Well, how you feel? How you feel not you 46? Well, like I felt when I was 45. <laughs> just no meaning, just, just existing. I'm getting, going to work this morning. Come home and figure out what I'm going to eat. Plop down, watch me a little program on television. That's what, little, that's what you said, no, a little program on television. Then I'm going to get me a good, nice rest, and tomorrow I'm going to get them to do the same thing over and over again. That is not how you want to live. But you will be stuck living like that until you ask and get the answer to this question, Lord. What do you want me to do? Because when he gives you what to do, now your life has meaning, and now you'll get some direction. Now you'll get some discretion. Now you'll start waking up with intention. Oh, hey, today I'm doing God's will. So even though I may have to go to work, I'm going to work with this submission. I'm going to church, but I'm going to church with this submission. Well, why are you going to marry that person? Well, because I'm some, I have a mission. Not because they're cute. Cute will fool you sometimes. <laughs> right? You know what the Bible says? Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. All right, last thing. What do you want me to do? From now on, write this down. From now on, my life is submitted to God. Now remember what I'm teaching you today, right? How to get a heavenly vision. I'm, I'm showing you how to position yourself to even get a vision from God. Here we are hollering about vision manifestation, and people are like, I don't even have no vision. What are you talking about manifestation of a vision? I don't have no vision. Well, it's not too late to get one. I'm going to show you here the onset before you get too deep into this year how to get one. So from now on, my life is submitted to God. Everything else takes a back seat. Last scripture, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 16. Hallelujah. Ooh, son. 
Everybody say meaning. meaning. Now I asked earlier about how many preachers I have and apostles and evangelists and prophets and teachers and deacons and greeters and ushers and missionaries and saints and friends and youth workers and you do all kind of stuff, you clean, all that, dirt, everything. But I want you to see the difference here with a heavenly vision. Because you could be doing something just to do something. We used to say back in the old days, uh, some were sent and some just went. Right? Some preachers were sent by God, some just went. Some people thought it was just a good idea. They gave one, one review of the Sunday school class and somebody told them you ought to be a preacher. You got the rolls in the back, you got the preacher rolls in the back of your head, you ought to be a preacher. <laughs> you might have prayed one good prayer, one, one Thanksgiving, and now you're supposed to be a preacher. That's not how it works. I know that's right, Chris. Now watch this. Here it is. I want you to see what happened to Paul because he had a heavenly vision. He said, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Mm. Do y'all see that? Paul is saying something happened to me on that road. When I was on that road to Damascus and I saw that vision, something changed, something snapped. And he said, I got a purpose and an assignment on my life, a vision from God such that if I don't do it, woe is me. In other words, I, I, I can't live without doing it. can't function. I, I, I won't be satisfied. I won't be fulfilled in life if I don't preach the gospel. And that's when you know you have stepped over into your heavenly vision. When there's such an urgency on you, a demand on you that if I don't do it, I can't sleep. If I, if I don't do it, I, I, can't, I can't eat. If I don't, if I don't do it, I, I can't function. If you find that you can go in and out of something, it ain't yours. Stay out of it. Don't go back into it. Don't, don't do it again. If you can go in and out of it. Say it, sir. Come on. My God. It's just, it's just something you, you're doing. Religious. Filling in blanks. But when it's something that God has placed on your life. See, a preacher, a real preacher. A preacher ain't trying to wait for a pastor to give him a chance. I'm going to get me a chance to preach on the third Sunday in June. So I'm going to sit and wait. A, a real preacher? If I got to go to a nursing home, if I got to go to the hospital, if I got to go in the corner, if I got to go in the school, if I got to start a group in my, in my little club, whatever I got, I'm a, I got to preach to somebody. If I got to sit my dog, my cat, my rabbit, and my squirrel down, I'm going to preach the gospel to somebody to hear this word because woe to me if I don't preach this gospel. If you can go without it, it ain't in you. But when it gets inside you, woo, woo, 
I got to do it. I got to do it. And that's how you know when you got a heavenly vision. How do you get a heavenly vision? Number one, ask what? Who are you? I got to do this for the rest of my life. Who are you, Lord? Show me who you are. Reveal yourself more and more to me today. I thought I knew you yesterday, but I got to know you in a better way. Number two question. What do you want me to do? And when you do that, you might be laying down one night or might be driving in your car on your way to work. God can give you an open vision while you're working and still steer the car. He'll still steer your car to work while you're sitting, sitting there in a vision. Because the vision only takes a couple seconds. You, you could see five, ten years worth of things in two seconds. Because it's a vision, it's a picture. Bam! He stamps on your spirit. Now, the vision. Put this back up to one through four on the screen. Stand up to your feet. Back up to one through four. Because I decreed it Tuesday night, and I decreed again today, you will have visions. You will come to visions and revelations of who God is. You're going to see things you've not seen before, and you're going to see some things that you have seen and you forgot about. But God's going to show you. I prayed Wednesday night, Tuesday night, that the scales fall from your eyes. That's what happened to Paul. You keep reading Acts chapter 9, and the Bible says when Ananias, it's so funny, because God gave Ananias a vision of Saul and gave Saul a vision of Ananias. And when he brought them together, the Bible says something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. So he's going to give you a vision. How many of y'all are here born again filled with the Spirit of God? You are already connected. You know, if you got an internet, your cable, you're already connected. <laughs> so you're going to see visions. As a matter of fact, Deke, I've been praying, God, show me the next decade. I'm not thinking about just this year. Show me the next decade. That, that's, that's how we all think anyway, don't we? Am I right about it? I grew up in the 70s. You, I grew up in the 80s. Remember the 90s? I mean, that's how we think. So we're in a new decade. Now watch this. Whatever he shows you, look what he says. I will set on my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm correct. Keep going, please. Verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Number one person going to run and read it is you. You're going to run with the vision. For the vision is yet for what? An appointed time. Not far off though now. Remember what I told you, he told me it's going to be for now. But at the end, it will speak. Which means you don't have to tell everybody your vision. A 
lot of people, when you have a heavenly vision, won't be able to handle your heavenly vision. They're going to say, girl, you're crazy. Man, you, that ain't never happened. Don't tell everybody. You got to know who you're talking to, who you're dealing with. But don't worry about it. In the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, what? Wait for, Wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now watch verse 4. Behold the proud, that one who operates on his own vision, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. When you have vision, Prashara, your faith is going to lock into that. It's going to pull you all the way through. It's going to pull you through some rough times. Hello? Hello? I'm here to tell you, you might hit a rough patch this year. Y'all don't want to hear that. You might hit a rough patch this year, but the rough patch isn't supposed to get you off track. I mean, that's what it comes for from the enemy, but don't you let it get you off track. You lock your faith into that vision. Let it pull you through. They used to sing a song uh, back in the day. It was the Black History Month. Keep your eyes on the prize. Oh, Lord. Keep your eyes on that vision. I know what God showed me. How many of y'all in here have things that God has shown you already for your life? Keep those hands up. Now, if by chance... What you saw is not what you currently see. Put the other hand up. Okay, good. Now that's why I want you to stay from this from now on. Lord, who are you? Lord, what do you want me to do? That's that surrender submission part right there. What I see currently is not what I saw. That's what Joseph went through. Yes, yes. Joseph saw himself reigning and ruling, yes, sir. Yes, sir. but ended up in a pit. Uh-huh. Ended up as a slave in Potiphar's house. Ended up in prison. Come on. But until the time that his word came to pass, the word tested, proved him. He kept the faith and he didn't let his countenance get down because he was going through a rough patch. He said, no, I know what God showed me. Say it, I know what God showed me. Say it again, I know what God showed me. And if you just stay in faith, this year you're going to have vision manifestation. Amen? Give God a big praise today if you received that. Come on, let him know you appreciate that word today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. I now know how to receive a heavenly vision. Every day. Lord, who are you? What do you want me to do? Now, Father, I ask you today, for these your precious people, Lord, today in this place who've received and heard the word, that they have received it truly with meekness, that that word is able, you declare, to save our souls, that that word, Father, Lord, works effectively in those of us who believe it. And I declare today that we are believers. We believe the word we've heard today, that, God, we simply need to ask you continually, who are you? 
We ask you to show us more and more of yourself, who you are. And then we ask you continually, Father, what do you want us to do? And God, show us our, show us the vision, show us the plan, show us the action steps. God, show us what to do today about that vision. Show us what to do this week about that vision. Show us what things that we have to do beyond just believing. Show us the action steps. Because it's not just our vision, it's your vision. We're responsible for bringing that vision in the earth. God, thank you, Lord, that, God, your plan is good for us. It's great for us. And, God, we know that as we fulfill our purpose, your plan for our lives will truly be living our best lives. <laughs> we'll get to enjoy everything. Live peace and prosperity and wholeness, joy all the time. We thank you, that, Father, that this will be the greatest year we've ever experienced. Even through trials or tribulations that may come along, we know, we know that it will not stop the vision from coming to pass. So we give you praise and thank you greatly in advance. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Put those hands together one more time and give God a praise.